Catalina Campano and this is a Risky Business News sponsor interview with Travis McPeak, co-founder and CEO of Resourcely, a company that lets developers spin up cloud infrastructure using templates that are secure by default. Welcome to our show, Travis. Thank you for having me. Now, Travis, let's talk about DevOps, one of my favorite topics for multiple reasons. A couple of years back, people would balk at automation tools, fearing it could lead to them losing their jobs. Yet, we're now in the era of let's automate everything. What's your theory on how we got here? Yeah, uh, I think I think the concern that we're going to automate everything and we don't need software engineers is, is way off. Really, where we want to be is we want to let all engineers do the stuff that they're specifically well-suited to do. Um, so one of the ways that things have changed in a DevOps world is instead of developers just writing software, which is, that's what they're trained in, that's their background, they're great software engineers, we've put more and more stuff onto their plates. Uh, so now instead of you know, large central infra or security or compliance, now we've told developers, you're responsible for security and compliance and infra. And obviously we can't get them to be experts in all of these things. Really, and they, they don't want to be. They want to write great software and unblock and deliver business features. And so I think that what we want to do with automation is let those developers get back to writing software and let infra people get back to defining good practices. So we're never going to remove the need for humans. I think where automation succeeds is in getting all of those experts to do the things that they're uniquely qualified to do. There's this great quote from John Kinsella about companies having the expectation that developers know how to fix security and security flaws, vulnerabilities, and so on, which is obviously not true in practice. What's your take on this? Do developers know about security these days, or are they still somewhat lagging behind on that chapter? So I actually believe that we shouldn't train developers to be experts in all of these security things. So, you know, For example, a lot of developers take annual training where we'll go into like what are the different kinds of cross-site scripting. From my perspective, training your developers on that doesn't make any sense. We want to make sure that they continue to grow skills in things like software engineering, where they're really required to do it. And so in a DevOps world, we've heaped more and more stuff onto their plate. Um, we've said, okay, now you need to understand all of this cloud infrastructure. You need to understand compliance. Like It doesn't make any sense. Instead, if you build systems that just make those things automatic for developers, so now they don't need to understand the different kinds of cross-site scripting. We've integrated a framework. The framework makes it basically impossible to build cross-site scripting. What developers can focus on is, is just writing great software. And then we want to get them to the point where they know when they're going you know, off of the road. So like, oh, I need to do something that's specific that we don't have patterns around. There's some security risk here. And they, we want to have them have close partnerships with teams like security so that they can loop in those folks for help when they need to. So instead of like that time that we're spending training, you know, if developers spend some time doing training once per year, they're not going to be expert enough to like really solve cross-site scripting by themselves. Usually if you've invested that much in training, that's a whole bunch of time that they could have been doing business features. And so it's both not effective and it's not a good use of their time. Instead, I think what we should do is we should build things that make security, reliability, cloud practices all just baked in. And so developers can just consume these services. An example that I, I use for myself, so I've spent a lot of time in security. But I haven't spent a lot of time, you know, at the point when I joined Netflix in cloud best practices. I remember from the day I got there, I was so struck with how powerful tools like Spinnaker are. Um, something that would have taken me two weeks in my previous job at IBM, I could do in two hours. And so now I can focus again on writing the software that I'm trying to write and not the nuances of load balancers and failover and, and CI practices. So I just get all of that for free. Same kind of thing with like, you know, lemur and certificates. 
uh, our systems that handled IAM. We don't want developers thinking about that stuff. What we want to do is get them to the point where they understand what tools exist for them, what those tools will cover, and then they know when they're doing something that needs to that needs like expert opinions. We still want to have experts on staff that can help developers with that stuff. But the experts should, you know, build something that covers their easy paths so they don't have to spend a lot of time feeling like the IT help desk. And then also spending time when developers need something that's special, that's not covered by a standard, you can actually help with that stuff. So today, DevOps spends a lot of their time doing like run-of-the-mill requests. It's just basic infrastructure. Um, they need to help developers with it. Instead, if they build patterns, developers can use those with self-service. Now those teams like DevOps spend time doing two things, defining the standards and best practices, and then also helping with the special like one-off infrastructure where their expertise is really required. That's a very smart approach that, that reminds me how uh, back at the end of the 2000s, uh, UI frameworks began to sprung up everywhere because people got tired of rebuilding the same user interface over and over again. Exactly. Security was the last thing that I thought a framework would be built around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you think about how did security used to operate, you know, security in a waterfall model, a security team would come and do a sign off like once per year. Right now with the, the pace of SaaS and cloud, that doesn't scale anymore. You can't have a security team that goes and reviews every change that developers are making. And you don't have any way of signaling like, oh, this is a critical change. I want to get involved. And so the, the way that you can enable yourself to scale is by building powerful tools that just have things like security covered and developers can use those things. And then when there's something special going on, then they can engage with the security team as partners. And same thing for reliability, SRE, all of these functions. You just you cover the, the low hanging fruit and then um, developers can use those tools on a continuous basis. And since you touched on cloud infrastructure, Resourceful was founded in uh, 2022. Would your company still exist without that boom that came from the COVID pandemic and the, how everyone migrated to cloud infrastructure? Or do you think just like we were talking about frameworks, eventually the market would have needed a service like yours? You know, one of the advantages that I had at Netflix was that I saw something early that was a growing space. Netflix was one of the first born in the cloud companies. They weren't exactly born in the cloud, but they moved to it quite early and everything was in the cloud. I think just because of the, the efficiency. So companies want to focus on areas that they have expertise in and things like maintaining a data center, you're probably not going to be an expert in that. And it probably doesn't make sense. Um, you can have, you know, at scale infrastructure that, that covers all of your use cases. But I think people were moving to cloud anyway, and we saw this before the pandemic. Um, what it did was probably accelerate a change that was already underway. Um, even before the pandemic, the rise of cloud and the growth of it was pretty significant. I think that this just kind of like pushed us further up the curve on a direction that we were already moving otherwise. So I do believe it exists. Uh, the idea for Resourcely really came to me back in 2017 when I saw these great systems like Spinnaker and I thought, okay, there's a lot of stuff that it doesn't cover that it should cover. It would be very helpful to developers to have this kind of same self-service for it. And then I went to Databricks and I saw exactly the same challenges. Um, that, that would have occurred regardless of the pandemic or not. I think it just accelerated because of it. The company, as you said here in another interview, started from what you are doing inside Netflix. Are there other things Netflix does internally that you think could be incorporated as a SaaS platform? Are you thinking of other ways to expand resourcely? Absolutely. In Netflix, you know, they, they did a lot of open source and conference talks. They really wanted to share their ideas. Netflix philosophy was, we're going to give back to the community on everything that's not specific to our business. So they're probably not going to do presentations on the specifics of content selection algorithms and some of their transcoding. 
that was secret sauce for the business. But Netflix is not in the business of running a security team. It's just a function that we that we do. And we would share those ideas openly because two reasons. One, it helps with recruiting. I think users want to join a, co a company that's willing to share ideas about what's working well. Um, and they can also do things that are they're relevant to the, the open community. That's one reason. Uh, the other reason is I think that they just wanted to help advance the industry. So things like chaos engineering, for example, uh, they did a lot of discussing how that worked and it kind of like spawned a whole group of folks that were interested in chaos engineering. Um, there's still a lot of things that Netflix did, you know, that we, we had tools and solutions for internally that aren't well covered. And now we're starting to see it too. So um, an example I see is ChainGuard. ChainGuard is really about, you know, providing these nice base images. Um, that's something that we had at Netflix uh, a long time ago. And it's quite useful when developers don't have to worry about the underlying image and it's going to be vulnerability free. It's going to be published on a regular basis. Uh, that saves so much time for developers. It makes it so we have an easy upgrade path for things like vulnerabilities. So I'm really happy to see things like ChainGuard picking that up and making that same powerful service that we had available more broadly. Um, key management, you know, another example. I think that there's there's companies today that are making it so you don't have to handle your own key management. At Netflix, we had a system called Metatron that would basically just expose as a on a file system path your decrypted secrets for you. And it was only decryptable by the specific instance that it was um, supposed to work on. Um, and so those things were, were quite useful. I think we're starting to see companies today expose that. There's still a long way to go. So developers didn't have to worry about uh, metrics and alerting. That They had a really powerful framework that they could use that's just built in. I think we'll still see continue to see more things like that. Uh, really what Resourcely exists to do is provide these paved roads for all of the things that are complex that developers need. So we don't want developers to have to be experts in things like logging configuration or how to set up Kubernetes clusters or any of that kind of stuff. They should just be able to consume a, a paved road service that some infra team has made available to them. So we'll definitely expand uh, to a lot more of these things you know, in the right order based on what our customers demand. Uh, but I think that there's plenty of other services that Netflix had that would make great products. From what you're describing, Resourcely seems to be doing the job of liability engineer. Am I correct in saying that? Is Resourcely playing this role, at least for DevOps and cloud infrastructure? In part. So what Resourcely will do is, is cover the basics thing. So there's a lot of, you know, what does correct infrastructure look like that I think isn't broadly available, um, this knowledge in the market. So, you know, for example, all of your data stores, you want to have logging to a common location. Um, that's something that, you know, some companies aren't aware that that's what good infrastructure looks like. Um, so we want to provide all of those best practices to them as a menu, and they can pick what they want to adopt. Now, in terms of liability engineer, you're still going to need some kind of like human analysis that understands your business, the specific risks that, that you uh, mitigate. So it's not going to replace a liability engineer, but what it'll do, you know, same thing with developers. We want to clear out all of the low-hanging fruit. So now liability engineers can use their expert knowledge of the internal environment, the risks of the business, the systems, and focus on things that are more specific and less just commodity infrastructure, you know, is it good or not? I'd imagine a company with a reliability engineer would be able to provide a great feedback. And companies in general often learn about their product and expand their product based on the customer feedback they receive. What's the way some of your customers shaped your product? Is there any specific comment that lit a light bulb above someone's head at your headquarters and ended up changing things, how you do, how, what services you provide? Oh, absolutely. So we started Resourcely with the idea that we want to proactively solve misconfiguration. And if you root cause, why does misconfiguration happen? It's because of complexity. 
It's not that developers aren't smart or they want to do the right thing. They absolutely do. It's that in a DevOps world, we've put more complexity on their plate. Uh, but that's an idea. That's not a product. So what we've done, you know, my chief job is to go out and talk to everybody I can possibly talk to that will have a, a good opinion about this. I estimate I've probably done a thousand relevant conversations at this point, um, probably about 20 a week on average. I just go and talk to as many folks as I can possibly talk to. And so from that, we've, we've made a whole bunch of small adjustments to the product strategy. You know, in the beginning, it was just Figma and Dreams. We would uh, show some mock-ups, you know, what this could look like and learn a lot from what our customer, potential customers were facing. And from that, we've, we've learned a ton of things that have really shaped the product that we have today. So for example, when we started, we weren't building on top of Terraform. That wasn't something that was in my initial pitch at all. We were just going to manage cloud infrastructure. But if you, if you think about you know, what are customers going to require to be confident in using something like Resourcely, if we say, hey, we're going to manage your cloud APIs for you. Um, you know, by the way, we're a startup. Trust us. Like, nobody's, going to, nobody's going to say yes to that. That's a really risky proposition. At the same time, companies want to accelerate their infrastructure as code adoption. And so there's a win there. We can help you to manage infrastructure as code in a way that's safe, secure, all of that stuff. Uh, and so and with, without all of the complexity that they're currently facing. And on top of that, we no longer need to have direct access to your APIs. So that is a win-win. Is a it just came from talking to a lot of customers. Um, there's definitely like major product features that we learned about from working with design partners. You know, for example, let's say that you're making a compute cluster and you want basically the same compute cluster to exist in prod and test, but they have a couple of differences based on the environment. We have now an environments feature that came out of working with design partners. It wasn't part of the initial product, but that early feedback and then, you know, build in that to the product, test it, you know, we'll talk to our customers and figure out, is this something that they need? Are there changes needed? That's been huge to us. So yeah, a major function of me in running the company is to just talk to as many people as possible. I read a book on startups early on that basically said that the truth exists outside of your building. You need to go out there and collect it and talk to people all the time. So I've spent a lot of my time doing that. And yeah, the input that we've gotten from our customers has been huge in getting to the product implementation that we have today. We continue to do this on a regular basis too. So today, we're, if you want any kind of infrastructure and you can manage it in Terraform, that's a great fit for Resourcely. In the long term, what we are is a configuration engine for anything that's complex that developers need. So we continue to solicit a lot of opinions from what are the other complex areas that you're spending a lot of time on or that you have a bunch of misconfiguration. And that goes into our product roadmap. You know, we're still a relatively small company. We can't build everything at once. And so we just take a product management decision on what's going to unblock the most value for our customers if we build it first. I think that's a great way to end it. Travis, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.